literally from one day to the other, <laughs> yes. we, we had 30,000 people teleworking. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was a challenge. That was a challenge for the IT team. And my goodness, they struggled at the beginning, but they managed it. Welcome to Quarantine Dailies, an experimental podcast that each day explores these unprecedented times through the voice and perspective of a different one of us around the world. I'm J.D. Picard, and like many of us, I'm stuck at home. As more and more of us get quarantined, our daily lives, jobs, relationships have been affected in ways that were simply unpredictable. Our goal with Quarantine Dailies is to bring you a different personal story every day, from how their life was before this all began, how it is now with quarantining and social distancing, and what they are striving to do or shape up for the future. Yes, a lot of it is bad and scary. But through these conversations, it's clear. There is space for opportunity and optimism, even if in small, everyday ways. Well, Manella, thank you so much for uh, spending some time to chat with me today. Thank you. Nice to be here. Awesome. So to get us started, could you quickly introduce yourself, say what you do, and where in the world are you right now? Okay, so I'm Manuela. I'm in Belgium, uh, Brussels, and um, I work for the um, European Union from one of, for one of the institutions, the European Commission. I'm Portuguese, and I usually say that I'm in the caring business. I explain. I'm a human resources manager. So mm -hmm. in the European Commission, so I work with a, a team of more or less 30 uh, people and we serve a population of 3,000 people. So I'm in the caring mm -hmm. business for 3,000 people. <laughs> that's amazing. And uh, that's a great way to say it. And just, just a little bit out of context, uh, could you, in, in whatever short span, as short as you can make it, explain a little bit how these, how does Europe work in terms of those governing bodies? So there's a commission and there's a couple of other bodies. So quickly yeah. just give us a bit of context. How, how does that set up? So we have the, the European Commission, which is the mm -hmm. executive body and the body that uh, can propose legislation and at the same time checks if the legislation that is adopted is well implemented in mm -hmm. the member states. You have the council, which is the institution that represents the, the member states in a sense, and the governments of the member states. You have the European Council, which is the place where the prime ministers and heads of state meet to decide to take the, the major decisions. And you have mm -hmm. the council with the different meetings by, by sector, by domain, where the ministers meet and also decide on the basis of the proposals of the commission mm -hmm. and on the different other means. And you also have the European Parliament. The European Parliament is, is the representation of the people of mm -hmm. Europe. So it is also, it's a parliament mm -hmm. you have, and it is by, you know, it's divided by political parties, uh, political mm -hmm. families. And in those political families, you have, of course, members of the parliament that come from the different member states and their, the, the, the calculation of the number of members of the parliament per member state uh, as a, you know, kind of an algorithm that represents yeah. it's, it's linked to the of course the population of each member state 
and uh, that's that's the where also the legislative proposals are discussed mm-hmm. also it's one of the uh, budgetary branches so the the, the the european union budget is approved by uh, the parliament so mm-hmm. it's quite an important job and also now the parliament can uh, needs to vote the european commission so the commissioners go and uh, audition mm-hmm. and uh, so that's where that's where they go and then you have the uh, Court of Justice. Okay. So the, let's say, where, where the cases are um, discussed. So the case law is, is, is established and mm-hmm. where the, the European legislation is when, when people are not in agreement, where you have the decisions on how to interpret the, the, the legislation that has been approved and uh, mm-hmm. implemented uh, across the uh, European Union. Okay. You have other satellites, but those are the main. Those are the main, the main four bodies. Yeah. And so you work with the commission mm-hmm. and, and you're in a caring business, as you said. And what is it that you really love about what you do? Oh, helping people. And in the way, helping people means and helping the institution. When I say I'm in the caring business, of course, I'm. it's more mm-hmm. than caring, caring yeah. for people. I'm in the selection part. I'm in the re- Tension part. Mm-hmm. I'm in the developing of of, of of people part, and of course this this is done taking into consideration the interests of uh, the institution and what the institution uh, needs at a certain mm-hmm. moment in time. So it's a it's a real close relationship between human resources management and business interests. Mm-hmm. Business being here, of course, of the, course, the institution, the institution. So that's that's what I do. Of course, I'm also very very much involved. In in everything that has to do with the well-being of the of the staff with as well with all the because we are a big big institution 33000 30, staff members from different nationalities so you can mm-hmm. imagine that this creates uh, some friction sometimes creates yeah. conflicts creates mm-hmm. so i'm also in the business of mediating and mm-hmm. trying to support staff staff and managers in yeah. making the relationship, the working relationship, flourish and be uh, productive and efficient, and also respect the principles that are the ones of the uh, institution and the European Union. The yeah, values. yeah, that's quite interesting because it is one of the probably the most diverse workplaces there is, right? And culturally, <laughs> definitely. That's what that's what's amazing and what's very very interesting. That's what's very yeah. interesting. I don't think I would be able to go back to my my country and work with only one nationality. I think I would be lost. I would be lost. Now. <laughs> That's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, and what what were your main goals before all this craziness started at the beginning, January around that time? Mm-hmm. What were your main goals for the year? Okay, personally, we will me and my husband we were looking for a place mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. to celebrate our 30th um, marriage anniversary. Wow, yeah. So <laughs> now we are a bit more... <laughs> I think I don't think we have we will have to discuss a lot to find a place because we the world is kind of condensed now quite reduced so this is this was the personal we were stuck let's say we were stuck and my husband says that it was because we were stuck that the virus came <laughs> I'm not I don't think so <laughs> then um, 
in terms of personal personal goals, well, in it, although I work for the for the institution that I've been working for this institution for a long time now, mm -hmm. what is also very interesting is that we can change within the institution, mm. and I've changed a lot a lot throughout my 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 working life, and I was thinking of moving again. So mm. I was looking at the perspective of. I, I didn't know yet what what I, I was looking for uh, because I was hesitating into going up the ladder in terms of the management position or select something that would be uh, more in line with uh, without what I would like to do. So I was mm. kind of in that perspective. Interesting. And when did you first start feeling that COVID-19 was affecting your personal life and since you're so central to or so close to you know the main decision making bodies in in the in the EU also like maybe a little bit of like when did you first start hearing about it and when does it did it finally struck you that it was going to affect your life okay early january mm -hmm. we were in myanmar burma mm -hmm. so and i think that's the, the first time i kind of realized that uh, this was probably going to be uh, a big thing uh, as mm -hmm. you know, Myanmar has a, a border with, with China. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people were starting to look at Chinese. And let's say that in Asia, I, I'm not very sure that I'm able to always identify a Chinese <laughs> from, from uh, I don't know, from another, another, uh, another part of, of Asia. But, you know, people were clearly starting thinking about it. And I remember that when I prepared my packages to go there, I already took some masks with, with me Interesting. Some, and some uh, gel. Well, mm -hmm. only I do that when I travel, because it's, especially if I travel into a country where I know that sometimes the health conditions are not fantastic. But, mm -hmm. you know, I did it with a little bit more, you know. Intention. Yes, exactly. Then, okay nothing happened and i don't think i was uh, it was just just that and then when we came back i think that when we really started to feel that this is was going to be major was when italy started to mm. go out of you know things were out of control there and we have some parts of our service in italy in ispra the the, the research center is there so we mm. were uh, we have colleagues there, people we work with uh, on a daily basis, and we were kind of following the, the, the evolution there and also some agencies. So Italy, I think it was when things started to make, make, make sense to us and we, we all started to understand that this was going to be major and it was going to be very, very a, difficult, uh, a difficult moment for all of us. Mm. And then, of course, and then, of course, when, when the lockdown started, yeah. that's when it was... I know, the direct effect on, yeah. on my, my life. So, so, and you, so you're dealing with HR and so suddenly you had to probably start, uh, did you start planning that, that people would have to work from home? Did you start this, how, how did you... Okay, we, we in, in the institution, the majority of the staff has uh, a portable laptop, so a mm -hmm. corporate uh, laptop. So, and we have, I think, across, we had across mm -hmm. the institution, let's say 10,000 people already uh, teleworking, not all, not every day, but, you know, Capable, uh, twice yeah. a week. Or mm -hmm. yeah. And what happened is that from one day to the other, so... Uh, you know, literally from one day to the other, <laughs> yes. we we had 30,000 people teleworking. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that was that was a challenge. That was a challenge for the IT team. And my goodness, they struggled at the beginning, but they managed. It took us, I think it took us a week mm-hmm. for everything to be anky-dory. Everything was working <laughs> perfectly. But okay, you know, peop- and people got used to do it. They got used to have meetings, virtual meetings. Mm-hmm. I think now people, you have to understand that we have, our population is, is a population of young people, not so young people, and some older people. Mm-hmm. So the young people, I think they were absolutely okay, no problem. Everything yeah. was was perfect for them. Though the other two, not so well, and they had to learn. They had to learn things. I think in the end we all become we all be geeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's that's what's right. But that was the challenge. That was the challenge. And then yeah. of course to adapt um, certain procedures and certain processes to yeah. to a not face to face kind of relationship. But also that, that I think people really quickly understood that they needed to adapt, they needed to find solutions, they needed to adopt the decisions that were necessary to adopt to, to avoid legal and insecurity in the mm. decisions taken. But I think it was quite quick. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of the way mm. uh, we adapt. We adapted it. Awesome. Yeah. So personally, what are you, what are you planning on... on how are you planning on yourself to adapt for, for these next two, three, two, three months as, as this continues? I think, well, uh, first of all, we, 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 we depend a lot on the decisions that are taken by the home country, in this case, Belgium. Mm. So we need to see uh, what are the instructions when they will start to, to implement the exit strategy. Mm-hmm. I think that in the beginning, what what will happen is that those of us who can really telework will continue teleworking, and only those who need to go to the office will go to the office because we will try to keep on uh, with the social distancing, mm-hmm. making sure that we we will not start a new wave of contaminations. So we, we really need to, to make sure that we, we have all the, the, the protective equipment. Mm-hmm. And this needs to be done until we are in a position of vaccinating people. And then, of course, uh, it will be... Uh, and, and another worry that we all have is that in September or October, that will be a, a second wave. Of, yes. So another thing that we will have to do is... To, because, of course, we, we came home with our laptops... And people, because people were not, not everybody has an office at home with all the ergonomics at home. And this is something that we need to prepare as well. If this happens Mm. again, we need to allow people to bring home also the big screens because Mm. working from a small screen is very uncomfortable. Uh, If they don't have it, bring their chairs because we all have ergonomic chairs in the office. So, you know, uh, Mm. be a little bit more flexible than what we were in the beginning. Because in the beginning, of course, we only told people just pick your laptop, your uh, keyboard, and go home. Yeah. So now we need we, we need to be a little bit more prepared, and we need to be a little more more agile as well. Processes and 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 procedures we have in institution mm. because, and of course. I think the other thing we're going to do as well is that we we are also preparing the lessons learned because we've realized that there are certain things that we can, we don't need to do them the way we're doing because we we proved with this teleworking and we proved that we can change some of the things and I think we will change them. So that's, that's what we're going to do. 
Interesting. So you think like this, this whole drastic shift is going to be a driver for change into some, oh, yeah. some procedures. Oh, yes. That's, that's oh, yes. amazing. And, and just before we started recording, you mentioned that, because you're saying like you're very dependent on, the, on your host country, or in this case, case Belgium, on their policies. And so, and you're saying public health is actually a, a national issue, not an European one. That's, and so, and so how do you, how do you find that, or maybe find your hope that the EU is going to be kind of like shape itself as, as it learns from how it had to respond from, mm. to this crisis going forward? Mm-hmm. Um, what I think what we saw uh, mm-hmm. with this pandemic and the, the difficulty in reacting to it is that we need to have, we need to um, look at health issues differently than from than what we look at other uh, economic sectors we cannot be in a just in kind of approach where you don't have stock where you don't create the conditions to be out of con- economic and transactional contacts mm-hmm. and that i think was one of the things that people learned the other thing that i think the the, the, the union learned is that we are uh, too dependent for some major issues in terms of medicines and lab materials from countries like China or India. So I think that we will need to uh, probably revisit that. And also we will probably need to revisit the globalization as such in a sense, okay, everything has a price, but maybe we need to start not having the price as the only driver, but also thinking that there are other other aspects that need to be taken into consideration. Mm. And maybe we need to pay that price and we need to pay a price for that. And we need to accept that we will pay the price instead of paying the lowest price possible. And yes. I think that, that those are the things that uh, they need to do. Another thing is solidarity. And we, we have seen some, some examples of countries helping other countries, uh, mm. Germany helping France and Italy, taking on board some of the, the worst affected patients mm. because the, the, the ICUs in, in Italy were, especially in Lombardy, they were totally out of control. There was absolutely overwhelmed. no... Yeah, overwhelmed. And they were, they, they were helping. So I think solidarity in that respect is something that people will understand in the future that they need to work more on 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 mm. so I, I think those and also another thing that for me was absolutely amazing was the creativity of mm. and the, the 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 quick response from some of the industries into shifting their way their model into making ventilators making new protective equipment mm. making everything that is necessary to to uh, so I, I think that those uh, and all the people that were developing new apps to be able to trace mm. the, the 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 pandemic and although there are issues on you know data security and, and, and data so, yeah. security but let's not go there yeah. so you know that's those are the things that's why i'm in the end i'm very worried of course but i'm also very optimistic mm. so, so what is it that you're the most anxious about right now oh my mother mm. she's 88 years old uh she's in portugal mm-hmm. she's alone at mm-hmm. home she's a tough cookie 
she's <laughs> coping. She's coping very well. But I'm worried. I'm worried because mm. I can't. I can't travel. I can't go to Portugal now. There's no mm. plane, no train, and I'm not sure that I would be able to drive from Belgium to Portugal without being stopped and asked to go back to my to go back where I live. So back to Belgium. Mm. So I worried because if something happens to her, I can't go there. So this mm. is a very personal personal worry. And then of course I worry about about this generation of people that is being that has died throughout this pandemic mm-hmm. you've seen it all over europe also worried, worried but you mean you mean the older the older generation yes. right older that generation, lives, lives yeah. in homes and so on has yes. been very very yeah. affected over there mm-hmm. yes exactly i'm i'm worried about those who have been working like crazy 24 uh, 24 hours 7 days a week my goodness how will they come out of this in the end, because they will be exhausted, mm-hmm. and what can we do for them, and what we will need to do for them, and I worry that after all this is has calmed down, I hope that people will not uh, go back into their old habits, and that they will mm-hmm. really have learned something. I yeah. hope this has been a high opener, and and that people understand that we need to live differently. Mm-hmm. So, so this is my worries. But mm. because I've seen so many good things happening and people being um, generous, really generous, mm. so I, I, I trust that this that generosity will be the thing that remains in the end. Yeah. So, wait, some quick fire questions. Um, has the current situation made you realize that you were taking something for granted? Oh yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like what? Definitely like that you know i'm invincible i can go wherever i want in the world the world is my oyster uh, well maybe not <laughs> <laughs> yes yes that thing like like globe trotters and so so suddenly not having that massive freedom that i think for many of us defines us no. right yeah just disappears yeah. Yeah. yeah is there something that you're enjoying more of now enjoying more well I have to say that uh, another personal. Uh, I enjoy the fact that I'm working from home and my husband is working from home, mm-hmm. and that you know instead of having to phone each other if mm-hmm. we want to talk to each other, we just have to go uh, <laughs> and cross a little bit our our apartment and uh, see each other. That's nice. We are very disciplined, so each one of us works, and uh, you know we really respect uh, each other's uh, working space. But it's nice to be to be more close, and that's mm-hmm. that's that's. I think it was quite a, a surprising aspect for us because we were we, we 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 see each other in the morning and in the in the evening, of course. But yeah. each one of us has its own its own is our own lives, and so it's nice to see that we can also share that part of of our life without mm. even very pleasant to to be so close to each other when we work. So that's that's nice. That's a, yeah, a, a nice thing. Sounds yeah. great. Yeah. And uh, any movies or shows or books that you really enjoy right now or that you really recommend? Well, I've, I've watched a Netflix uh, series that I loved, mm-hmm. Unorthodox. 
I don't know if you if if you know what it is. It's a, oh. a series on acidic uh, the acidic uh, community in Brooklyn. Mm. Oh, it's it's great. It's a very very interesting series. It's a, mm. s- a small one, uh, four four episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. I I saw again another the other night a film that I I really love, The End of the Affair. It's an mm. adaptation of a Graham Greene. Uh, book and it's with Julian Moore and Ralph Finnis and it's it's great. It's a love story, but it's not only just a love story. It's also a question of broken promises, God, miracles, mm. and s- such a beautiful text, such mm. lovely actors. So it was great. So these are the two recent highlights. Books, my goodness. Well, I've just finished the Testaments from Margaret Atwood, the, the sequel mm. of uh, Hans Man Te- and, and Maid's Tale. Yeah. I'm. I you, like rec- you recommend it. you recommend that one? Yes, yes. But I I read it. You know, I it took me. Uh, I read the first one and then lots of time in between, and I read the, the second one. Maybe it's better to read them one after the other. To be honest. Mm-hmm. I I like very much biographies, and I was I'm reading the Michelle Obama's, and that's that's a very nice. Uh, it for me it was very interesting to to be able to have a glimpse mm-hmm. of the the life of that couple, mm-hmm. Baraka and and Michelle, and and I do like the way she writes. I don't know if if it was her or a ghostwriter, mm-hmm. but I like the the, the the way the way she writes. And I'm also write, writing, uh, reading the biography of Julie Andrews. Oh, cool. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, no, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a voyeuse. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds lovely. That sounds really good. Um, is there any thought or concept or fact that you've been really pondering about recently? Yeah. How, how can you, we as individuals influence? Mm. Because being in a diff, in, being an expat, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not Belgian. Mm-hmm. I'm Portuguese, so I I don't have really a a, a foothold in the Belgian society and in mm-hmm. the in the Belgian influential you know forum forum mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'm too far away from my country, so I lost my my foothold in the place that we the in the, the the those groups and those. So I I want to go back to some sort of influential role, and that's what I've been uh, thinking about. Interesting, because I think I think that's one thing that people that we're struggling a lot. A lot of us are struggling a lot, uh, particularly those of us that are privileged enough to not be in a desperate situation right now, to have yeah. savings, to be able to have some time to think and definitely have time on our hands, is that it's, it's a weird situation where, and it can create a lot of anxiety where we don't really know what to do and mm-hmm. what to do to help. And we see, and it's bringing forward a lot of, a lot of ethical issues going on, a lot of massive disparities. Mm-hmm. And just maybe realizing, it's not, I think that's the point, maybe it's realizing that we are, helpless and haven't really been contributing that much into individually in, in whatever mm-hmm. way we can. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, it's, it's fascinating. There's no, there's no answer to this, but it's just like, it's a, mm-hmm. it's something that has come up quite a few times in these conversations. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but that's that's something I've been discussing with friends when we chat or we mm -hmm. exchange messages. Is uh, how can we? Of course, there is always a, a very personal way of of contributing by supporting the people around you, by supporting mm -hmm. the little businesses around you. But this is, of course, and by supporting causes. That, okay, that's that's one part of it. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking mm -hmm. more about how can I be a change agent? Uh, mm -hmm. How can I really make a contribution that that you know that that really changes? So that's that's more that than, than anything else. Yes, yes. And again, that's still you know it's challenging. It's like it's not. There's no no clear answer to that, right? No. And uh, yeah. No. no. And it is, it's very, very interesting. And finally, what's the, what are the biggest opportunities that you see for yourself through, through all of this? Well, one of the things, first of all, I did, I had never teleworked in my life. So this oh, is my first okay. teleworking experience. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm surprised. <laughs> I can do it. I can yeah. do it. <laughs> so, no, no, really, I can do it. Another thing was manage uh, a team at a distance. Mm -hmm. That was very interesting. That was yeah. really, really, really an interesting experience. I'm enjoying it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I have to say that in some circumstances, I am. I know some people of my team better now that I I knew yeah. uh, before, which is amazing. Which is yeah. amazing, and uh, that it is feasible. It is possible. It is possible to keep a community together to keep a team together to make sure that uh, no one is strays and so that's that's very interesting and i think i will i will want to probably develop this more and see how this can be then transferred into the workplace and mm. uh, implemented implemented more so this is this is one of the things that i i will probably carry on doing in the future and is there anything that from that experience that that really springs to mind like what like a couple of tips maybe for for people who are dealing with this yeah well i well very very small things like we have coffee three times a week virtual mm. coffee all together we in in a platform so we talk about everything and nothing at the same time and that mm. kind of creates this spirit we have we use some whatsapp for instance for a kind of a social club where mm -hmm. we put all the crazy things with another one for the most most serious exchanges i write a blog for my team mm -hmm. so in the beginning but the blog is called teleworking because for me it was the the, the challenge as i had never teleworked before but then uh, with the time because we are already in our 32nd or whatever day of confinement mm -hmm. we i've i started you know making comments about uh, the, the political situation or the economic situation mm. or things that happen in the institution or the things i read or the things i watch and what's funny is that people react and they comment and they keep so this is a kind of a journal mm. it's a little bit what you're doing you know I've, yeah. I've done it for myself i have in the end i will i can print that and can put it in the book and i can publish it <laughs> <laughs> yes Oh yeah, it's a, it's a memory. It's a memory. It, yes. It, it's a kind of a, a trace, a written trace of, of what confinement was for me uh, in 2020. Yes. And is that an internal, is that an internal blog or is yes. that a public one? Yes, an internal blog. It's an internal yeah. blog. We, in a, in a, in an, it's for, only for the unit. I didn't yeah. open it to the To so anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Makes no, sense. No, only for the unit. It's it allows for a much more open, open yeah. communication and conversation, yeah. of course. Yeah. 
That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Manuel, for your, for your time today. It was a lovely chat with you. And stay thank safe. You. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Quarantine Dailies, a project by J24D. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can show us your love in two ways. Number one, leave us a comment and five stars on Apple Podcasts or any other place you use to listen. Number two, do you know someone else who should be interviewed? Drop us a line at podcast at j24d.com with their name, their city, and contact details, and we'll be in touch. Now wash your hands, keep your social distancing, and stay safe, friends. Talk tomorrow.